0: Moncrief with Ennery Glaze on News Talk.
1: done. again. is a no you, Sketchy me. That means exi- excitement. Excited? It doesn't, does
0: it? That's wrong. No, I don't know. Sketchy me. You're... <laughs> Do you
1: want some bacon sauce? No, I'm okay. Is there anybody in the letters? Am I ready
0: to figure it out? I think dating is really hard at the moment. So, what you'll see a lot is situationships.
1: I don't have any shadow plans. If I want something, I'll go and get it. I will literally walk up to a fella and be like, Are you single? And that's it. I have a really bad thing of like turning myself off someone straight away and looking for the bad qualities, making things up in my own head
0: like when they're not even a thing.
1: Okay, it's time to couple up, to fuckle up. Right, that's uh, Aaron Traw, That's uh, on tonight at 9pm on Virgin Media 1. You can catch up on the Virgin Media player, James Dempsey, uh, joins us once again. So this is really different from the million other dating shows <laughs> other than the couple of fuckle that's in there. You know what, I, I never in my life have I been more convinced that somebody
2: put those words together in the title and then worked out the entire format <laughs> like <laughs> backwards from that. So this is... A dating show with a twist, essentially. The twist is they wanted funding from the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland for yeah. <laughs> Irish language programming. And we're one of five to get a bilingual status, which means 30% of the show has to be in Irish. So okay. we're definitely getting that. Yeah. And it is a, um, I mean, they're kind of billing it as Love Island in the Gweldtacht, right? So you have these five couples, uh, Laura and Loman, Kira and Donal, Megan and Sean, Searshan and Femi. Michelle and Andrew and then Talia and Zach, who only appeared right at the very end of the first episode. And they go and live in this house. I think it's in Waterford or Wexford, one of the W Fords anyway. And there they are, uh, they get paired up romantically, quote unquote. And they, of the partnership, one is a Gwail and one is not. And the whole point of the show is whichever couple... Learns the most Irish, or whose Irish improves the most over a period of five one-hour episodes, as judged by Gran, your show, right? <laughs> will win. Will walk away with ten thousand euros. Mm. Now, all in. This is like, this is just tailor-made for Irish television, right? You have a Love Island-esque type silly show where yeah. you have pairs of people that we all know, ostensibly pretending to fall in love, or maybe they do. Right? I'll I'll try and not be too cynical. And then you have the Irish language angle bit to it. And that bit is so poorly defined <laughs> because, um, you know, OK, we get it, right? They have a Gwail Gore who does speak a Well, I mean, they're more than a cupola, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they, you know, and they're, they're subtitled and they're kind of talking heads. They are often talking not Irish, but not exclusively talking Irish. And their job is to help their partner learn more Irish. But... The kind of me as a viewer um, and language teacher I'm looking at this from a ped- pedagogical aspect going now how exactly are they doing this and how is it being assessed and uh, what's the base mark f- beginning for each of the <laughs> non- irish speakers because <laughs> they' of them, do an exam at yeah the end of right this. like you know who's doing Lord Lave who's doing an avail etc right so I'm a little I, I have to admit the more I watched it the more confused I was by the Irish aspect of it because it seemed kind of just tacked on mm. now <laughs> that said I did enjoy the hour of it right it was like a really fun silly throwaway hour and kind of perfect for summertime viewing when a show like Love Island is typically on but of course the difference between Love Island and this is aside from the Guelga, that Love Island is on every single night of the week except for maybe one I think you know it's like an hour every single night and then with like an after show in which they analyse that hour of TV This is five one hour, like when I saw that this was only on Monday nights, I was really surprised because Mm. I don't know if it'll have the legs to go for, you know, a month long. Like, is this appointment viewing to tune in every Monday night to see this? Yeah, I don't know. And the other thing about a, a kind of a couple's dating show like this in general is you need the familiarity of the couple to, to build up, yeah build up of course yeah, to understand the betrayal if it happens better or the kinship or whatever I don't know the the lovey doviness as that kind of sprites right yeah. <laughs> like you need the kind of regular contact with them, right, so the more I watched it, the more like even when I was writing up my notes for this, I was sort of thinking in my head, who actually is that person coupled up with, who's that person coupled up with because we only got one. Episode so far, four more to go, a new couple thrown in right at the very end for drama, who we don't even know, right? Like, it just seemed um, a little undercooked as a first episode if they're not going to provide regular episodes if it's not going to be like you know i i think this would have been better as a week-long event every you know every night at
1: 9 p.m for a week yeah i don't think the bai are going to stump up that much cash really in fairness (laughs) even sorry even if it was only one week i mean rather rather rather
2: than spread out across the month but yes admittedly (laughs) but like this is fun like i mean it is light Hmm. right this is light Entertainment, <laughs> but, but the word entertainment I'm putting in there because it was just a little silly and a little naff. I mean, there was like, you know, the, the main drama of the episode came from when they were taking part in this challenge on the Traw on the beach in which was like a relay I know. I mean, when I say the budget was scraped together for that, like, oh, they they bought twelve eggs <laughs> instead yeah. of like six, right? Like it was, you know, it was thrown together very haphazardly. Even like even a show like Love Island when they do their challenges, when they go off on their date, I mean, their date is literally just put them in the patio over there with some mm. soft lighting and a bottle of prosecco, and like that is a budget made program, and this is a micro-budget-made romantic programme with the Irish angle thrown in and... I don't know, maybe I'll eat my words, right? Maybe by the end of it, it'll be an absolute triumph and I will be totally wrong. But for me, it was just a little underdeveloped, underdeveloped and I, I, I was left wanting a, an awful lot more.
1: Yeah, is there any jeopardy in it? Can, you know, the assigned... Are, are couples assigned to each other? Maybe they could chip off with somebody else or, or you know? <laughs>
2: so, so, all we know so far is that Grania Joga, by way of the producers, assigned to the couples together, right? Mm-hmm. And even for that purpose, I mean, I'm, like, reluctant to get called out here being, like... You of liberalism gone mad, but I actually thought they could have put in a gay couple for that purpose because they were already paired off right from the very beginning. Right now, maybe there will be opportunities further down the li- line to quote-unquote, partner swap, shall we say, right? Okay. But but as it currently is, <laughs> like the bang of Rose of Tralee escort energy that was off everyone <laughs> in this show, <laughs> I just thought was like, yeah, that's what this is made for, right? And look, there's only two episodes of the Rose of Tralee annually and it does fine. There's going only only going to be five episodes of this and it seemed to be a real talking point last week. I guess uh, the jury's out on whether it'll still be a talking point tonight. But your time will tell.
1: Yeah, and so is Grania Shogas' role in this. She's not just a straight presenter. She's some. She's somehow presiding over. She over is things.
2: the Kinnera, right? So right. the presenters are uh, James Kavanagh and Shiva Nairurk. And Shiva Nairurk is a Gaelgore, James Kavanagh is not. But they, uh, I mean, she obviously speaks Irish and throws in Irish. Mm. James puts in. Uh, puns yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and tokenistic, uh, bear, or, or words every now and again, right? Uh, but they are perfectly adequate as those. The like they both have, they have good chemistry with each other. They seem to get on very well with the participants. Gran Yushoiga is, has got the kind of, um, the judging role right which means she gets to spend most of her time sitting in you know what appears to be a utility room <laughs> in, in this house <laughs> with a big pair of cans on her on her ears watching um, a a green screened fake television oh. you know uh, where she's keeping up with all of the Irish that they're supposed to be learning and then she is the arbiter of who has made the most progress in the Irish language stuff so at the end of the first episode she brought all the couples in to kind of give them a a stern telling off, or a like, or a Bulabus, depending on how well. That okay, they so she's performed.
1: actually there. She's not because she lives
2: in South Africa, doesn't she? So oh, I don't she's know. not.
1: Yeah. Uh, so
2: well, she they've flown her back in. She, okay, she's
1: actually there. Okay, <laughs> she fair is enough. actually <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: there, yeah. and and features in the show Marjarig where she comes and and acts as the judge. And I presume, based on what we got at the end of that episode, she also has the um unenviable task of dispatching. The uh you yeah. know the couples as and, the weeks and it's go by. Purely
1: based on you didn't learn enough Irish.
2: Yes, as far as yeah. I can tell. And and but as I said, I'm still very unclear on how they're judging that, right? Right. Because, okay. because some of the non Guelga speakers, a few of them seem to have much better non Guelga than the others who had like literally not a word.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the love aspect of it doesn't sound seem to be that important. It rhymes with troll. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> what more can you ask for that's, true. Yeah, that's true. A silly question on my part. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, so you don't know if they like chip off together. Or um, is any, I mean, they anything. get paired. I and I believe they
2: are supposed to be singletons on the hunt yes. for love. Yeah, and certainly in their talking heads, that is how they describe themselves. And uh, it appeared that uh, one duo shared a little kiss at some point during the first episode. Okay, but perhaps that was just the magic of a TV set getting you know filling their
1: hearts but who knows yeah okay uh, somebody says uh, the Grau House is in Woodstown County Waterford it's called Oyster Bay Lodge and it's available to rent on Airbnb for huge money <laughs> <laughs> uh, it has to be the most exciting thing that's happened in the Irish language since Peg and I grew up in a tucks so as somebody else uh, and, and uh, another listener wants to thank you uh, from recommending Top Boy the other week. I'm on series three at the moment. It's boss in it. <laughs> uh, okay, yes, it is. Uh, right, okay, we'll move on to our second show of the day. It is The Supermodels. You can stream the entire series now on Apple TV+. Plus. Here's a clip. American lady
0: said to me, did I model? I was a bit taken back because I was. some of my school friends like, had beautiful, long, silky, golden hair. And there was me, just like, you know, a little awkward in the sense of... I always wanted to shrink myself a little bit because I felt a little lanky. And so I took the lady's card and I didn't call her for weeks. And then I called her. Her name was Beth Bolt. She said me around go-sees. I had three pictures in my book. Gotta start somewhere. I did not know how to model. I didn't have money to buy fashion magazines, so I used all the dance training I had. So jumping in the air, splits, laughing—you know, all that stuff. At the time, modelling was kind of looked down on in my family. My mother had no idea that I was doing any of it.
1: Right. Okay. So I suppose when it comes to talking about models, there's two approaches. It's the ex, you know expose, you know, not, not like the. Mm or Virgin Media if that's still on the a TV show I'm not no, sure but, uh, um, uh, or uh, an expose of what goes on behind the scenes or, or is this a, it's all lovely people have found uh, their it's dreams a a,
2: It's a bit of a mix of, of both right so this is a very stylish four part documentary about the supermodels of the 90s and specifically the, those are Christy Turlington and Cindy Crawford Linda Evangelista and Naomi Campbell, the last or well, removing Cindy, the other three known as the Trinity and then Cindy Crawford and I guess Tatiana Patitz, I think was her name. But she died She died in January of this year. So otherwise, I think she probably would have featured in this show. And uh, they were the supermodels of the late 80s and then early 90s. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they are still household names today. If you ask you know if if you think of the supermodels of the last 20 years their names still hold on and they still stomp the catwalk quote not all of them but uh Linda Evangelista less than the others but they are i guess really these symbols of of modeling and of beauty and of fashion in the 80s and 90s and still to this day this is a really interesting but in places not very probing documentary it's a bit like I mean, not that I picked up many issues of Vogue in my life, but like it's a very handsomely made, glossy, beautiful to look at show that kind of doesn't ask some of the questions you'd really like it to. But it certainly looks expensive. Yes, <laughs> i put okay. it that way. So it's made by a guy named Roger Ross Williams, who won an Academy Award a few years ago for like a short documentary called Music by Prudence and a, another documentarian called Larissa Bills. And what it has in its favour is apple's budget right like when you're watching it just the sheer amount of archival footage that they have of these models walking right Mm. posing uh, uh, in the background of shoots you know on tv interviews etc is just staggering and what's really intriguing about it is like the way static images would necessarily lend themselves particularly well to other documentaries because those images are so beautiful to look at, you know, they're so painstakingly put together by really brilliant photographers with these iconic models at the peak of their beauty. Even just still images are just so artistically framed and shot. It really is just gorgeous to look at. Now, the four models are actually very compelling in their own different way. I mean, the you know, the first episode is sort of how they were discovered, what they were found, you know, how they were found, etc. Who we heard in the clip there is obviously Naomi Campbell. But each of their stories is kind of different and how they each fulfill this different kind of niche in the modeling industry. Like Naomi was essentially the black model, the Mm. only one who kind of made it really big at the beginning and sort of paved the way for the others. Christy Turlington was like the beautiful one. Linda Evangelista was the chameleon who could literally, you could put her in anything, change her hair, do anything to her. She just always looked incredible. And then Cindy Crawford is, like, the brain, right? And, like, she's even her one is really intriguing. Like, I never realised that, you know, she was offered, like, a a scholarship to study, like, engineering or something at a very prestigious American university. She was, like, in the honour system. She was, like, an absolute really brilliant academic Mm. student who also is just beautiful at at the same time. And... You know, there, there's just all the little tidbits you learn about them, like her very famous mole. Would they remove it? Would they not? How how they decide to do this? They make a big deal of like cutting their hair and deciding their look, et cetera, et cetera. We learn about their checkered past with like abusive spouses, about how um, agents did them wrong, about... You know, the Me Too movement, the reckoning, shall I say, mm. of, you know, of recent years of the modeling industry and how that all affected them. They talk about, uh, you know, the Ford Modeling Agency in New York and how Mrs. Ford essentially made all her models live in her house <laughs> <right? Okay. laughs> in a kind of like dormitory style thing. Yeah. And they would just go off and do something and how they were just models at exactly the right time right where they had yeah. the opportunity to earn all this money how um i guess the fashion industry and capitalism were converging at this right time right place for them to make it really big and how um, and how modeling now in you know the final episode is sort of all about them aging and how uh, like models now are really social media stars you know you can't be you can't be a, a, a Christy Turlington today unless you have like ten million Instagram followers because yes, that 's how yeah. that 's how you mm-hmm. get offered a job mm. so it 's a very intriguing look at the fashion industry. poor Linda Evangelista kind of gets the rawest deal in the final episode because the final episode is talking about them you know becoming mothers, aging and going on to do other things, and sort of the other three have all gone on to do these various. Philanthropical things, and Linda Evangelista's kind of story in that one is how she had this cosmetic surgery to maintain her beauty, and it went horribly wrong. wrong. It went her. terribly yes. wrong, and yeah. how, how terrible she feels, and how it was sort of botched. And like when you compare that to the others, going well, I, I'm solving maternal health, and like you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, my my um, Cindy Crawford's charity is for children with leukemia, and Naomi Campbell's is like effectively lifting up all emerging countries and particularly the continent of Africa as a fashion capital. And then you have sort of Linda crying in the bed right, about not being able to walk the runway anymore. She kind of gets a bit of a raw deal. But at the same time, it's sort of the rawest, truthful, most rawfully truthful uh, story because she's talking about how she spent her whole life in front of a camera being told you're perfect. And now she just cannot even look at herself in the mirror and how damaging this is to her psyche. And you can Mm. kind of well believe it. Look, do they discuss you know uh, how th- there was huge pressure on them to be very thin? Not really in great detail. Do they talk about um, ways in which they you know perhaps didn't lead the most healthy lifestyles? No, that's kind of glossed over. Yeah, but yeah. when I but when I say gloss over, this is like inch thick gloss because it just looks stunning. The whole thing is just so beautiful to mm. look at, and the four of them sitting in like chairs, perfectly lit, talking about their lives are very compelling to listen to.
1: Yeah, it would been, but it sounds like, apart from Linja and Vangelisa's unfortunate yeah. experience with the, with, with the surgery, like, you know, I got discovered as a model, I had a great time, thanks very much. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, th- Dad says, I think I'd rather sit at a blindingly winking slot machine and lose a small fortune of an evening. Okay, that's not your only option. Uh, Kevin <laughs> says, I found the supermodel show was mostly vacuous. And a large ego trip and doesn't feature any expose, only on themselves. By the way, James is in luck. As RTE have Anagiri with Love on the Farm at 9.30. With someone looking for two donkeys and others with plenty of road frontage. So uh, that's uh, a appointment to view (laughs) television, I would have thought. Right, we'll move on to our uh, third show of the day. It is an RTE 1 show. It's Obituary. It's on Tuesdays at 9.15 on RTE 1. Or, of course, you can catch up on the RTE player. Here's a clip. Circulation is down. I'm having to combine farming with fashion.
0: Perhaps you could combine birth notices with obituaries. Cut out the middleman.
2: Look, you'll get 200 and all
0: No regular salary.
2: We'll review it down the line.
0: Hughie, on average, one person dies every 10 days in this town. Sometimes I've waited weeks.
2: Isn't that a good thing?
0: Not when I'm supporting my father.
2: Chin up. At least you're still a reporter. You're not stuck in here like me, massaging ulcer-inducing spreadsheets. But
0: how will I live? I don't know. Maybe you should
2: start killing people.
0: Maybe I can start with you. Maybe I can start with you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's the spirit. Now, off you pop. It won't write
1: itself. Right, uh, that's a, a obituary. Now, of course, all these things always require a bit of suspension of disbelief, mm. but that, that, that somebody lives in a small town <laughs> and their job is their local paper obituarist. <laughs> that's not a job it never was um, and also
2: the fact that he was offering her 200 euro victory is actually a really good rate yes. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> like she should take that and run to be honest with you um, yeah, and, yeah this comes from an Irish guy named Ray Lawler and he has been a screenwriter for a very long time and when you read into him he's this guy who seems to have always been on the cusp as in many many things that, that he has been writing for you know however long he's been writing which is a while have been optioned and optioned and almost Made and almost made, and, and this seems to be kind of a, a big break for him. And I want to give him credit where it's due because, I mean, it's a relatively original idea, right? This mm-hmm. is a, a, an obituarist who is uh, a bit dark and emo and gothy, and essentially figures out that she can sustain her living in this small town by killing bad people in the town and writing their obituary. Uh, So it's a good, solid idea. It's well constructed in the sense that there are more than just a handful of characters, which often doesn't happen in Irish-made shows, right? Like there's a whole subplot revolving across or going across the whole season, which is about um, a German tourist who was murdered in the town and who did her in. You have... A rival reporter who is sort of looking into that. You've got a subplot involving um Elvira Elvira's best friend, Elvira being the main character, who's played by Siobhan Cullen, who people would know from um The Dry. She was the kind of horrible sister in ah, the, right. stuck yeah. up sister in the dry. Yeah. And it is well acted in general. I mean, you have Siobhan Cullen doing good stuff. Uh, Ronan Rafferty is, when I was reading the names of the characters, it really seemed like it wasn't made for an Irish uh, audience originally because, I mean, she's Elvira Clancy. He's Emerson Stafford. Uh, You have Mallory Markham and Huey Burns. It sounds like, you know, it could have gone international yeah. it that way, right? Yeah. Uh, but the rest of the cast, Michael Smiley, he has been, I mean, first came to my attention in Spaced 20 years ago and he's been the best thing in everything he's been in since then. Uh, Danielle Galligan, who uh, people will know from Shadow and Bone on Netflix and then David Ganley, who we heard in the clip there as the editor. It's all very handsomely made. I just wish it was a lot funnier than it actually is, right? Because it's billed as this black comedy and the black bit is there. I mean, look, she's going around killing various people, getting caught and killing people and getting, you know, and all this kind of stuff, Mm. right? But the jokes are just a lot thinner on the ground than I want them to be. And when you have a black comedy, you need to balance it. Between black and comedy. You just have to balance it better than it is currently being balanced, but I do admire it as like being in a, an ambitious, original production. And I don't want to come down and say people shouldn't watch it. People might find it funnier than I did. The other thing that I kind of thought was remarkable about it was like it has a very, you know, it has uh, it, it shares some DNA, shall we say, with Dexter. Right. The mm, kind of yeah. you know, the, the Michael C. Hall Uh, murderous sky and in that show you had lots of narration that was tongue in cheek and here we get an awful lot of narration as well so it is similar in tone and also just in style to that show because it's about that was about a serial killer who was uh, meeting his murderous quota by killing off baddies and here we have a woman who has a murderous bent and needs to earn some rent and Mm. is killing off the less likable people in the town shall mm. we say, right, so there's a lot of a lot in common there, but that show understood much much better how to wring the comedy out of it than this. This is just you know, yeah. Where are but, the laughs?
1: Yeah, but this is only the start. You never know. It might, it might find its fate as, as it goes along. And interesting that perhaps Archie are making things with a view specifically to selling them abroad. Absolutely,
2: because this is sold to Hulu as well. So this is going to go, you know, this is going to go around the world.
1: Yeah, OK. Uh, that Those three shows today are Gras and Tra uh, That's tonight at 9pm on Virgin Media 1 or on the Virgin Media Play The supermodels. You can stream the entire series on Apple TV Plus or Obituary. That's on Tuesdays at 10.15pm. PM on RT1 or you can uh, watch the whole series now on the RT player James Dempsey thanks a million you are listening to the Moncrief show on Newstalk Moncrief weekdays at 2pm
0: with Anna Glaze on Newstalk